Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Are you a brew head? I'm a brew head. Y'all a brew heads? Yeah, we brew heads. So pour a glass of crap beer. We can do this. Yeah. What's good, y'all? This is C Certified Brewhead, and welcome to episode 159 of Beer Nights, the podcast adjunct series. Quick note, I've been waiting for this particular number episode for a minute. When we did the, if y'all got, if uh, the long term uh, watchers and listeners, if you remember the original series when we only did it in person, we finished that one on 159. So we're finally caught up to it, which is uh, nice. And who would have thought the adjunct series would have gone this way? But loving it. So this evening, folks, we're taking you to Cali doing something a little bit different. Um, I haven't spoken to a, a ton of American breweries uh, recently, so it's very cool to have some uh, someone new for us on the pod. And this is a fascinating story tonight. This is something totally different um, that I'm really looking forward to hearing because it's like one of the most unique concepts that I've uh, heard in beer. So I'm looking forward to getting into it. So folks, please welcome Greg of Prison Break Brewery in the building. Brought the crowd for you, yeah. buddy. How you doing, man? Well, thank you. That was, that was, I haven't had, usually I only get applause like that when I leave the room. But anyways, <laughs> uh, a, 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 thanks. Um, I love it. You know, I, that's a, the way you introduced, I'm kind of, I'm kind of a little lost here, but let me just yeah. tell you first off about our beer. Mm. Uh, so, you know, oh, is this your first taste? It's my first taste. I waited for this. Oh, oh, oh shoot. You drink blondes. I do. I drink everything. Okay. Well, have you a good, Ooh, have you a good, uh, Good thing of this and uh, of this shanked. Uh, the reason, like shanked, shanked is like just a main market beer. And w- there's a, a, you know, you're not familiar probably with breweries down here, but there's a very big brand out here called 805 on on I the West it. Coast. Yes. Okay, you, you're you're aware of them. Yes, and, uh, I've had that one. So, okay, you got to tell me what you think about this. I will indeed. I'll take a couple picks first. So keep keep telling me about the beer. Um, okay, and anyways. Um, when when I when I wanted to start it, I was going because I really don't know anything about beer. I know a lot about prison. Don't get me wrong, but I don't know a lot about beer. But I've been working on this for a while, and I and I found I found the right guy to make the uh, recipe, and he owns a consulting company. Okay, and he comes up with recipes, and he's a renowned brewer down here in uh, in Amer- you know down here, especially in California. Well, no, into the Midwest now too, and. Okay. Uh, so I told him, I said, hey, uh, I need something like 805 because 805 does very well in California. And he goes, well, funny you should mention that. I was on the 805 project. I was the brewer at oh. Firestone Walker, which makes 805. Yes. And uh, cheers, so, uh, oh, cheers to you, Matt. Okay, well. Fantastic. Solid. It is, isn't it? Really restrained. Like it's not too, uh, sometimes blondes can be a little like on the sweeter side, but this is like super smooth. Um, nice grassy bitterness in there. Um, great malt presence, super clear too, which is, uh, isn't always, I guess that explains it. The, the gentleman who brewed this brewed 805, which obviously is a huge beer. Um, fantastic, man. I love it. Oh, I'm, I'm glad you, I never get tired of hearing that. Um, I, I gotta be honest. I, I, every time I go in anywhere, I sell I'm in bars all the time selling beer. And every time I go in, I ask for a blonde to compare them and I haven't. I haven't felt that I've been beat yet. And, okay. And, and it, yeah, and I haven't been. I haven't lost a tap handle. I'm a very small company, but uh, I, I've been out for four months chasing tap handles, and I'm getting them. And, you know, and I and no, never lost a one. Everybody loves this beer. Um, like I said, the guy who makes it, he's renowned, you know. And 
I haven't tasted a better blonde. I don't know what you think if you drink a blonde once in a while. Here and there. I, I don't recall the last time I did have one, but I drink mostly like in this category, kind of like Pilsners and Lagers. But this yeah. is like much from memory. And I think when I was drinking a lot of blondes, it was maybe a little while ago when they probably weren't as good as they are now. So I feel like I don't have the strongest memory of uh, of a great Correct. one. But this is like, this is incredibly smooth. Like it's not too dissimilar to the experience of a lager or a Pilsner, which is, it, which is what exactly. you're aiming for, I guess. That, yeah. that was, that was my whole point when, when my parameters, when I told them, I mm -hmm. said, I said, I love what 805 done in the market, but I don't like the aftertaste. I wanted a little crisper in the front with maybe a little background of, of a fruit taste, which doesn't come through because right now the contract brewer I'm using doesn't have a centrifuge. And okay. so you, lo you lose a little bit of the flavor, um, but, you know, that's that. I, 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 have to, I have to do what I have to do. Right. Um, but I'm glad you enjoyed it. Uh, and you know what else? You can drink a lot of it. Well, you're going to notice how fast yeah. you're going to notice how fast your cup goes down. And uh, that's a good selling point for me when I go to the bars. Uh, you know, when I'm telling them, how come I deserve a tap panel, even though nobody knows who the hell I am. Right, so it's uh, the tastings have gone pretty well in the in the times that you been to buzz. Yeah, um, yeah. When when did the brewery launch? I know we're going to get into the story in a second, but just for the context here. So you said the last okay. four uh, months. Okay, no, yeah, exactly. Well, we actually we were supposed to start. I'm a California guy, and uh, I, we were supposed to start here in California. And uh, right when we came out, we had investor money. We had I had I had put money in. And right when we started, COVID hit, and uh, it changed everything for us. So, so anyways, we were 2019 when we actually started. Well, excuse me, our distributor that we had a, a deal with, um, they were expanding, and they had bought some markets, and they said, "We don't, excuse me, we don't have room in our, uh, we don't have room in our warehouse, so you have to wait." And they were building a warehouse, but when you deal with the, the ABC in California. It's a, you know, it's an onerous thing. It takes a few minutes. So they didn't get their warehouse open as soon as they thought. And uh, so we had nowhere to, nowhere to sell our beer. And my an ex-partner of mine said, I can sell it in New York. And uh, I, I know a lot of people. And we knew we knew a lot of people. Uh, so actually, even though I just started four months ago, that we started uh, God, probably a year and a half before that in New York. Okay. All right. You know what? I want to get the whole story then. Um, <laughs> the let's let's take it back. So maybe instead, my the typical question is: When did you discover craft beer, and how did it lead to the to this brewery? Um, maybe if you just tell the story of of you know the prison. I mean, obviously the brewery is called Prison Break. It's very yeah. you know the beer is called yeah. Shanked. It's very uh, perfectly themed. So maybe, yeah, run us through how it all happened and how, you know, why you decided to go into beer as a, you know, as your sort of next move, next career move. Yeah. You know, you know, Tony, is I, my whole life when I was young, um, I was always experimenting with beers and, uh, back, but back in my day, experimenting meant you had a Heineken. Nobody in the seventies knew what a Heineken was. Okay. Right. Uh, back in California. So Although it doesn't sound like much, there was like that was avant garde back then. <laughs> I didn't, I was a teenager. I didn't know, but anyway, so I've always had a, a thing about that, and uh, you know, because I've always been a beer drinker and quality beers. But the, really, the craft beer scene hadn't taken off, and uh, I was messed up in drugs and stuff, and uh, 
I, I, I was sidetracked and uh, I really didn't know a lot about craft beers, but I keep reading articles while I was in prison about the business. And, uh, and I had a partner in there. He wanted to start a, uh, a, 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 a writing like literary and music where inmates from prison could submit stuff and we would help them get it published and, or, uh, you know, contracts for music because we're kind of deeply involved with Nashville. Mm. And so anyways, that now we weren't then though. And, uh, and so we just, and so it was just like a publishing thing and we were kicking it around. If you knew our prison situation, I don't know if we're going to get into that, but we had a, a very unique situation. I'd love we had, to. Uh, we had, yeah, we have, Ed, we had offices with flat screens and, and chairs like this. And we got to plot our little business and, wow. uh, my partner, uh, and my partner and, you know, we were just, he was going to do a publishing and music and, and I was getting out first and I was going to help him do it. And then we started talking and I had, we had talked to a guy and uh, he owned a brewery in Bozeman, Montana. And, uh, he did some brewing. Uh, he, he did all his brewing. He had a tap room there and, uh, he was in on, he was in, he was in fed joint on some real estate fraud stuff. And anyways, um, he mentioned, he mentioned, you know, his brewery in that. And so we were sitting there in the office one night and I go, well, we could do a prison theme brewery. And I go, why don't we call it prison break brewery? We could get some traction off the name because there's a TV show, Good point. you know, and, yeah. and, and all, all the, all kinds of guys in prison watched it. I didn't, but a lot, a lot, a lot of guys watched it. So we, I figured I could capitalize on the name. I go, we could call the first beer Shanks. You know, and then we could call another one shot collar and then another one locking a sock, you know, and <laughs> it's funny because they're all, I'm using two of them now and one of them, and this was uh, in about 2013, 2014. Oh, that wow. was kind of the genesis of, uh, of I'm, I'm not a beer guy. I don't want to front and act like I am, uh, but, but I am now. I mean, I've tried a million beers. I tried from East Coast, I, I spent a lot of time on both coasts, and and I've tried a lot of beers now. And uh, it's, uh, we got a cool, we just, my story is kind of weird, you know, and it's strange, but uh, we got a great beer. You're drinking it. I, how, how fast is it going down? I'm, I'm purposely drinking slower. I've got, I've got a whole ah! bunch more. I've got more behind ah! me, though. But no, it's this is so smooth, dude. This is great. It's um, well, it, it makes sense to come out with a beer like this, I guess, for you know something super approachable for the reason. Exactly. Yeah. It, it's and you know what's funny is now I get into uh, tap rooms. Uh, a lot of the breweries out in California, you're not familiar with it. They used to like most of the breweries had their own tap room, but they would give like ten guest half handles. And, oh, okay. And a lot of them now. Just and they would make like seven or eight core beers, and now all of them make a ton of beers, and, and because their biggest profits are taproom beers, of course, pay very little. Don't truck it, pour it out, pour it right out of the out of the tap, and, and your profit margins are, are very big. Yeah, and I would love them kind, but that's that's really not. To tell the truth, we were a we were a prison themed startup idea and one of the one of the mediums was craft beer and uh and, and it's something i had i had a passion for but it just wasn't around when i was out and then and i was 
kind of like sidetracked. Um, but anyways, uh, that's another story for another day. <laughs> okay, we can come back. So then should we should we go back to sort of how you ended up in prison? Because I mean, that's if you're comfortable talking about all that stuff, or is that like... Uh... Yeah, I don't, I don't mind a bit. It's a, I had a, God, I had, I'd caught in a, a pot case in a Denver in 1988. I, and then they transferred the case to Texas because that's where it originated, a fed case. And uh, I ended up doing six years on that. And uh, then uh, this, this, you know, it's just like, and then I caught another uh, about, God, in 1996, I caught a pot case in Rhode Island. And they gave me nine years. And uh, so I had two pot cases. And then uh, while I was in prison on a parole violation, they, they drove me out of California to violate me. And I was back in Rhode Island. And I hooked up with the guy. And I promised him I'd teach him to make meth and, and how to make ephedrine. You, don't, you can edit this part. I don't care. But if you want to know the truth, that's how it went down. And uh, so I was showing him how to do that and import things from China. And it, just, uh, it went south. And. I caught it, and they career offended me because of my two uh, prior pot convictions. Because I used to really not care a whole lot, and uh, right. the day I got arrested, I said, "Look, I got, I want to change my life. This isn't working out real good." And I was forty-eight years old at the time, and uh, to tell the truth, I never looked back, and uh, I, you know, I, I've never tempted to that old life, even though I had a lot of fun. I mean, uh, I, I traveled the country, you know, I lived everywhere around the country, you know, and. And out of the country doing doing you know in the pot business and stuff and coke, but uh, you know so it wasn't all bad memories. But I get you know I don't even think about it anymore. I don't romance mm. it or anything. Now mm. I'm a beer guy. Now you're a beer guy. The uh, yeah. <laughs> do you, does it take some of the the same skill sets that you? Because I've always seen the movies and TV shows, and when you see like drug operations, it's like this is genius. This is like expertly set up. If if it's accurate, which I that's my secondary question. Like, did you <laughs> use any of your skills from that business in beer? And second, are the TV shows accurate or are they completely nonsense? Actually, yeah, that's a great question, man. I like that. Yeah, actually. They do transfer over um, because like, you know, I, like if I was selling kilos of Coke, I, I knew I knew I had this Colombian connection. I was getting I was getting clean Coke. I said, nobody, you know, I could tell them nobody gets Coke like this. Mm. So let's not front. I pay more. You're going to have to pay more. Now it's like in the beer. And, and I say the same thing. I got a home run beer. You're drinking it, you know. And the the fact that my beer tastes that good and the and the positive response, I have some people you know, they tell me, man, this, this is my favorite beer now. And that's just like, that's, that's great, right. man. I, when I hear that, man, I feel wonderful because I, I want to help some people coming out of prison, but prison break is going to be known for, for having quality beers. If you tasted our IPA, our West coast IPA, you would be going, man, this is like the baddest West, West coast IPA I ever had. Yeah, and yeah. I got more recipes and I got people, people were going to help me with recipes the first one wasn't like that, but now I got I got brewers in that, and I'll give them credit. I'm not claiming to be a brewer, but why wouldn't I want to get the best? You know why? You know why wouldn't if you're having a rap album? Why don't you Why don't you have the best rapper come and guest star on your album? Have Eminem on there or something? You know, or Little Baby, and 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 make the money off it. And uh, so I'm going to use other I'm going to use other brewers who have won awards 
and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna check their stuff out and drink it. And if I have to change it a little, I will. But uh, 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 I, you know, I want to give them their credit though too. It's not you yeah. know, but I, I want to have quality beers. When people talk about prison break because this is a marketing exercise, I I'll, they'll go well. It's so you know they're after they're chasing some money, but they make really good beers. It's important to me. That's great, man. I love that. Um, oh yeah, the TV shows are they real or no? Nah, man. No? Yeah. so stupid. Some yeah. of it, yeah. Uh, well, we're trying to pitch one ourselves that's really based on true facts in prison. But uh, that's that's another story for another time. Um, yeah, yeah. We've been we're we're, we're kind of into this. My partner, uh, he writes. Uh, I'm like the I'm like the convict of the partnership, and uh, he's the intellectual property guy. Yeah. Okay, so there's <laughs> two of you. Did you, was this the gentleman you? talked about this with in prison or is that yes uh, it is oh, okay. yeah. oh yeah so we've been plotting this since 2014 24 and when did you get out 2016 2016 and then you sort of started taking it serious as soon as you you got back no i i tried to figure out how to eat and get a car um, um, <laughs> Yeah, I got out. I got out and I went to a federal halfway house in uh, Riverside, Rubido, it's called. And I was riding a bus and working for minimum wage. And I was 58 years old, a career drug offender and uh, with a ninth grade education. And so I got my CDL back. I asked, the, I told, I talked to the lady at DMV and she gave me and she let me bypass something. And uh, she goes, that was, you know, I go, yeah, I know what you did for me. That was really nice. I'll pay it forward. So anyways, I got my CDL back and uh, then it was all off. Then I just, all I did, haven't been on a date since I got out. I promised myself in prison I wouldn't start dating until the business could pay for it. Well, that didn't work out. <laughs> but, but if I wouldn't have done it like that, I wouldn't be here. I'm doing this right at this moment with personal loans and uh, credit cards. Gotcha. And, and yet I'm, get, I'm getting traction all over town. That's great, man. I love to see it. So then, all right. So you're out in 2016, got your stuff together, um, started working on the business. I think you said 2019, um, around that time and then COVID hit. So when you were working on the business in 2019, was the intention to have a brick and mortar, like tap room and production? Ah, we wanted to No, man. I wasn't sure about getting my license. Okay. And uh, so I went for a type 10 license first. And uh, I, I I got a long record. I'm, I, I've got 22 years in prison, okay? And California was kind enough to give me this license, but it took a while. And uh, and, and so I didn't think I could go get a, a sell to the public brewery license right away. And the worst part is, of course, I made every... I found every pothole. I made every mistake. I'm, I'm an idiot. I've never been in business like this, but I'm clever enough to catch on. But boy, did I step in it. But anyways, uh, I'm a uh, uh, in California when COVID hit, and it changed my distribution and everything. I just uh, couldn't do anything, and uh, uh, you know, it just took me longer. Uh, gotcha. I don't know. Every, yeah, everybody dealt with COVID. Yeah, man, it hit the industry hard, and we're feeling it. I'd say uh, even still in twenty twenty four, I feel like there's still brewery closures, mergers, like everywhere here in Canada, out, out in Cali, all across the states. There's so many 
It's, I was just had a podcast yeah. from Australia last night. It's happening there too. It's um, yeah, man, it's crazy. It's it's an interesting time to be in beer. It feels like it's going to be like a a temporary dip, and we're still in that dip. But hopefully, we move out this year. You know. You know that's not how I feel because okay. I I see I see a lot more places coming up for sale. I have people telling me that they know breweries that are coming up for sale. Mm-hmm. But what I'm finding is the ones that weren't going forward and trying to grow and trying to just keep what they had. And, and because back when they opened their brewery, it was cool just to have a brewery and anybody would come there and support your product. Yep. Well, they didn't do anything going forward. And, 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 and I see a lot of people getting out of the business and selling because I look because I need a brewery. And yet I also see other people that I know expanding and, 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 and in different ways through, through distribution mm-hmm. deals, through, through tap rooms, um, the well, the well run breweries that have good product are succeeding out here. And, 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 and the ones that aren't well run don't really have anything going on in their beers there. Eh, that doesn't work anymore. And there's a lot of them. And I think that that number is skewed because of it. I, I, I mean, it, it, there's a lot of breweries closing, excuse me, but not the good ones. Right. And I just want to be the good one. Uh, you know, uh, that, and, and I've, I've got a better, I've got a better in. I sell, I sell beer all the time. I go in bars all the time. And now I can go into bars that have 60 taps and they rotate their taps and they have a bunch of local craft breweries. And mm-hmm. that's a pretty, that's a fairly easy. Let me get on the rotation sale. But none of them guys that I'm, yeah, but none of them guys I'm talking about are in the die, in what America calls the dive bar, bikini bars, because they have like eight or 12 taps and they're all major brands, even their IPAs, mm-hmm. like for us, major brands, Lagunitas, I, you know, whatever, whatever, um, yeah. whatever. And, and, and they're, and they have the, there's two major distribution companies where I'm at and, mm-hmm. and, and they have all the tap handles. So I'm going up against it, but our story, they listen to me. They go, I like what you're doing. Not all of them, but most of them. And they go, I like what you're doing and everything. And I get them the samples and then they go, wow, the beer is really good. And then they go, but they go, but, but we don't like to take new products. It's an uphill battle, but lately I've been doing kind of good. Great, man. That's interesting. <laughs> Those bars that you're talking about, because this is a this is a cool strategy. I haven't uh, really heard this before. The what I've heard, and you might you should know more about this than me, that those bars that have like you know the, all the AB and Bev brands like Bud and Coors and da da da. Yeah. They they sort of do kickback kickbacks and they pay for yes. the lines sometimes. Do and that or means punish that, you for or punish you or punish you for not. For yeah, because look, if you want Bud Light like everybody does or Coors Light. They're going to say, hey, man, if you want this, you got to take this. And, and and like the big distributors, they each have X amount that they have to uh, – X amount of taps that makes their business model work. Right. So that, but is it I'm, hard to – I'm getting tap handles. You're still getting them. Do they have like – I guess they not – they mustn't all have contracts then because some of them they can't actually break the contract. I've, I've heard that unless that's an excuse. Well, you know, no, not by law. You can't – they can't – they kind of threaten them with a contract oh. deal but they're not you can't you can't enforce a contract 
where you can say you have to buy these or you can't have these gotcha. because then the ABC will get involved and, 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 and they'll make it, they'll say, they'll find them and say, no, you can't, that's an unfair business advantage. The ABC tries to, you know, they regulate stuff like that mm. and, uh, and they have a lot of power and, 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 and if, if they need it to stop stuff like that. Otherwise it would happen and I wouldn't have a chance. Right. That makes sense. No, I totally get that. And that's definitely important for, for, for that exact reason, for up and coming craft breweries to actually, you know, get a chance to be poured on tap and then see how, you know, just like, I guess that's what you're asking for. You're like, give me a chance. You know, give me a chance. You know that's the story. It, give me a chance. Tell the stuff. Yeah, man. I like that. And it's, it's an interesting play going into these kind of bars, but did you go into these type of establishments because of the theme of, you know, cause like maybe they're not craft beer drinkers and this might be more interesting. Cause sometimes people think craft beer is pretentious and like, snooty. well, the funny yeah. thing, it worked out where I, I had just got my beer made. This is back in September. I had just quit driving in a truck. I was hauling Hyundai's and Tesla's up around, up and down the coast of California and shit. And, uh, anyway, so I got my beer made, I got everything done and, uh, and I went out and started selling. And so my first day, uh, my first day, I, uh, I was, I was in Orange County cause my beer is stored in Westminster and I was driving down and I was going to go try to hit these bars on, and there's a lot of breweries in Anaheim. Anaheim's a, a hotbed of breweries. Huh. And I was going over to Anaheim Boulevard. And just as I was driving down the street, I passed this bar called Lefty and Lopez. Well, I go, might as well go check it out. And it was kind of a pain in the ass. I'd drive around the block. I go in there and I go, I told her the, a woman bartender and I said, Hey, uh, who do I talk to about trying to sell you guys some beer here? I want to get a chat panel. She goes, really? I go, yeah. She goes, you talk to me. I go, Oh, okay. I go, I got a great blonde ale. And she goes, well, I don't drink. I don't really like blondes. I like IPAs, but I got a couple guys down at the end of the bar. Well, it turns out they drank the beer. They loved it. And they were, they're uh, involved in the, they're the work of the biggest distributors in the country. Mm. Uh, uh, offshoot of, uh, of, um, the Reyes brothers, uh, called Harvard distribution. Well, you know, they told me, they told me, they said, Hey, your my, your brand might work at a few places. And they said, here, go try these. So I started getting dive bars and, and, and in actuality, all the craft beer guys would like to get in the bars I'm in, but the guys in them bars really wouldn't drink the, it. the craft. They, they probably wouldn't, huh. you know, it, it, yeah. And, uh, so I, I, I get in, I'm getting places that the craft beer that that just as a rule has a lot of is, issues trying to get in. Mm, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I can't imagine. I think when people go to dive bars, they go specifically to drink a high life or whatever, something like that. You know, like it's part of the fun. We, well, when I say dive bars, you know, they're sports. I should say sports bars. Okay. Not dive bars. Yeah, gotcha. sports bars and some dive bars. And some bikini bars. And uh, what's a bikini and, bar? And then Excuse my ignorance. The girls, uh, they're hot girls that wear bikinis while they bartend. Oh, they're all over okay. Southern Cal- they're all over Southern California, and I'm kind of got a little a niche with them. And uh, and the girls work in other places, so they kind of I get help. That's great. Okay, dope, man. That's I don't know. I, li- I really like this. I like I like the whole the whole place. Sports <laughs> bars too, because this is a beer that is a sessionable beer like you said like you're gonna watch yeah. the game have some wings and just crush this all night um exactly with your west coast ipa that you mentioned i did see that um online the 
Um, how does that go in comparison to a Blondel? Because it sounds like this beer, and well, I understand this beer is perfect for the places you're talking about because it fits in whilst remaining a higher quality product, arguably, than um, the, the other taps on there. With the West Coast IPA, how does that get received in, I mean, I guess it's California where it was invented, but still, like, what's the vibes in comparison? That's a cool, that's a cool question, and and there's actually a really so the answer is a little more complex than that. But I I've been I had shanked my blonde ale, and I'm going into a lot of bars, sports bars, and uh, and they said, look, we have uh, in California. I don't know if they do it there. Like a lot of people go around and pitch a house a house blonde. Let's just say I have a local brewery, ABC Brewery. I'll make I'll give you my beer, and I'll make a tap handle with Joe's Bar and Grill on it for you. I'll give you a cheaper price. You clean your own lines, and we have a good business relationship. And that's a cool thing. You know, it's a, it's a cool thing, and I get it. And uh, so I go into a lot of places, and they taste my beer, and they go, well, your beer is way better than ours. They go, that's going to cut into our – it's going to cut into our sales. And uh, I go, yeah, I get that. And they go, do you have an IPA? And uh, so I rush that to market um, because now I'm getting in places – that wouldn't take my blonde because it was better than their blonde, but they rotate IPA handles. And it just so happens, yeah, and it just so happens my West Coast IPA is easy drinking. For an IPA, 7%, easy drinking, smooth, uh, like Shank is for a blonde. Amazing. And people love it, and people love it. That's great. And that's that's interesting to me. It makes sense, I guess, on on paper. Out here, we definitely have the house blonde thing that you're referring to. So that's definitely a normal thing. The West Coast IPAs, though, I'm personally a massive fan. I love them. But I feel like they're not that common out here. I've heard in Vancouver, they're a lot more common, which makes sense because it's the West Coast, the West. and <laughs> you guys invented it. You guys do it best. Uh, there's some great ones out here, but you know, I do like going to Cali and, you know, you can basically get a great West Coast IPA anywhere you go, which is very cool. So it does make sense for you to do that style out there. Yeah. and nah, But let's not over it. Let's not say you can get a great one everywhere. You can get no? a good one. Okay. Uh, you, you get a good one. Uh, ours, our brewer makes it for us. And uh, this they won in 2019. They won at the California Beer Fest. They won Best California uh, West Coast IPA. In 2019, this is a this this beer is badass, and uh, okay. So we have. I'm telling you, man, we're gonna we're gonna bait, even though I don't know anything about it. I mean, but I can't smell, so I could never make great beer. But I used to make dr- great drugs. But uh, anyways, um, <laughs> you know. Um, but that being said, um, we're gonna we're gonna have we're gonna have quality products, and that's why the IPA came out. And it's funny since I, I only came out with it a couple weeks ago. And, and I've already got accounts now that wouldn't let me have my, um, you know, my shanks in there. But also now I have accounts with two tap handles. And I'm getting these tap handles from them companies I told you about. And okay. I'm hoping somebody takes note of me and says, hey, you know, this guy's onto something. Let's go, let's go buy, let's go buy half his company and help him run it. If somebody did that for me, they would make a fortune. And, I don't need to make a fortune. I just need to succeed because I promised myself some things and I've never followed through on shit in my entire life. And I have promised to see this through. And boy, has it been hard. No wonder I never saw anything through before. This is horrible, <laughs> man. The stress is the stress is immense, man. You have no idea. 
<laughs> oh man. <laughs> hey, first of all, you should be proud, bro. We got this far. Like this I is am, like but this I'm pretty... still scared, man. <laughs> yeah. You know what though? I feel like you're in the best possible place. You've seen like arguably what the second worst thing that can happen to you is. So if you've already experienced that, then like what what worse? You've already done it. And you're not doing anything what are illegal. You talking so about? Prison. Prison? That's a bitch. Yeah, that wasn't the worst thing to <laughs> Would you uh, well would you say that I, most I people saved my life it saved my life. That's good. Yeah, if I if I wouldn't have went to prison, I would have overdosed on drugs and died. Instead I, I got healthy and fit and okay. played That's sports a good perspective. for years. It saved my life. I can't look at it like that. And it taught me things and it made me a better person. That's um, prison prison was awesome. never a waste to me. Okay. I like that, dude. That is so well. Thank you for correcting me. That's a, a really cool um, perspective. I was thinking from the population at large, everybody's fear is death and then prison. Yeah. Like that's what I was referring to. But you are correct. You're right that you yeah it helped you. So you've uh, and, worked and, it, and it was a long term benefit for me. It seemed like just when I needed it most, I went and uh, and I knew I was heading that direction because I was kind of wild. I, Right. I changed my name. I had a million aliases, driver's license. I was just kind of running amok for a few years around the country. Right. So uh, I needed my wings clipped, and I got them clipped. <laughs> <laughs> that's um, where does where does that uh, level of like self awareness come from? Because that's cool. Not everybody is that self aware that they know that they need something like that to help them well, survive. That, Man, you're kind of clever. That's these, these are like core questions to my life. I caught, I went on a, a, I tried to, when I went in this last time, when I got arrested that day and I had to call my sister and said, look, I'm looking at 20 years right now. And, and it broke my heart and I had my epiphany. And mm -hmm. I said, never again, this life's not working out. You got to change. And it's funny. Uh, I tried going to like, like I was in the uh, federal holding facility in Rhode Island. And I was trying to go, I tried going to church and that, but there was a lot of incongruities and it, and there was, so it didn't all add up to me anyways. Uh, but I got a spiritual thing. I started watching Oprah Winfrey and she had some books on there and she told me, and she had the guy, the writers on there. And so I went and bought them and uh, I actually got on a little spiritual journey that really cool. helps me deal with all this. And it actually, I wouldn't have got through it without it. Hmm. I, that, I do it every day. That's dope, you know. man. Did did you realize when you had the epiphany that no, hang on, that's not what I'm trying to get at. Like, I guess it would have had to be after the fact. So, did you real no? Did you realize when you were in prison that you were grateful for the experience because it helped you, or did you only learn that when you got yes. out? Yes, you knew yes. then. Okay, because it's funny. The thing I was doing, I was actually. I made a promise in prison to a, a guy I was doing time with, and we became good friends. I was doing a pro violation on a pot charge in Rhode Island. And, uh, and, and they had no methamphetamine in Rhode Island. And he goes, man, he goes, we could sell a ton of it out here. And I said, well, I don't really want to. He goes, well, you show me how to make it. And of course, and then I showed him how to get the plan in from China and get a new bit, a phony company set up. And I showed him all this stuff. But anyways, uh, we got caught and, uh, the moment we got caught, I said, look, to the FBI and the DEA, I said, hey, man, I said, I, w I shouldn't have been doing this. Uh, here's where my sash is. Here we go. And uh, I just kind of wrote it. And, and, and I knew I shouldn't have been doing it. So I did, usually I used to think if I would have done this, I wouldn't have got caught. That was my old thinking. 
Okay, and uh, and there's always things. Ah, if I wouldn't have trusted that guy, I wouldn't have got caught. Well, this was, uh, I shouldn't have trusted my own decision. That was stupid. And everything in my body was telling me not to do this, but I promised this guy I would teach him. Mm. And uh, I just hate to break my promises. I don't know. Interesting. Um, <laughs> that's, I, 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 yeah, you're really painting a picture of kind of where you were at at the time. Um, on the meth, is Breaking Bad accurate or is that full of shit? Eh. He's got nice glassware. I never had glassware that good. Uh, although I did have some good glassware, but you know they didn't have they didn't have huge boiling flask uh, for the kind of weight they were supposed to be moving. It didn't make sense, and not to mention they were just getting their chemicals from the. You know, I, I never watched it after the first season, but they were getting them because they were teachers. Well, I I would get mine because I would make it out of the plant, um, drag it out of the plant. So I wasn't real impressed with their stuff. Uh, <laughs> but that being said, uh, uh, well, that's nothing to be proud of. So, anyways, that's okay. how that that's how, that's I how that about is. That. That's fair. I, I you paint you, that's kind of what I expected because I do. I've been doing music forever, and every time I see music TV shows, they're so wrong like they'll have people like 10 people in a room with no headphones on and just recording with the music loud like like it's that's and, not and you can, what goes it's, down no it's not what happens like it's it's just so funny every single time i find myself yelling at the television like this is ridiculous you know so i can imagine so you're a music guy yes sir that's uh why i moved I, to canada yeah. so you haven't even been to our website and listened to our free download i was looking for the website and i couldn't find it the oh. other day prisonbreakbrewery.com Oh my God, man! I know. I might not. Okay, ah oh, man, I must have. Uh, I must have missed it then. I remember googling and I couldn't find it. But okay, so you're doing music as well, eh? Okay, so scroll yeah, down, totally scroll down it. from the banner page, and then it says free. Check out our free music download. Um, when after we're off, you got to listen to it. My partner wrote this, okay. and uh, a guy that was on, a guy that was on well, the voice, he came okay. in second, and uh, uh, he uh, he sang it, but it's our song. We got like nine songs and uh, they've all been recorded by like the second biggest studio called Beard Studios in uh, Nashville with okay. like award-winning musicians and uh, and uh, demo singers. And uh, I could send you the, the some of the songs, but excuse me. Anyways, that's a, a free download. Probably won't be on there long. Uh, that the, the music, the books, the TV, we have music, books, and TV. Them are on there too. There's a free excerpt from the book that a company's trying to make a movie out of for us, but it's all goes to try to sell the beer. And, okay. and then, and that, and that all goes to, we're going to keep hiring coming out of prison to, uh, to maybe change their life around, uh, like I did. And that was, uh, that's a great segue. Um, whilst I take some photos of my second can of shanked, cause, uh, these are moving quick. As you said, you were right. Ah. Um, and may I add, uh, I like your, uh, your, uh, fashion sense there. Yeah, you know, with the, uh, ah, you got it, huh? Did you like getting it? Look, fit perfect, brother. Thank you so much. It fits perfect. Hey, Great quality. <laughs> uh, can people yeah. buy the merch on the website? I think I did yeah, see a merch. Have, link. They, yep. Yeah, they have them, but they're printed on demand. That's uh, that's, that's what we do like for our merch too. Yeah, it's honestly, on demand. it's smarter that uh, way. It's smarter that way, to be yeah. honest. Well, um, I don't have a choice. I'm broke. I'm poor. <laughs> for now, <laughs> not for long. Not for long. Um, so. 
One of the other main things that I thought was really cool about the concept of Prison Break Brewery was that you are hiring ex-convicts or people who have spent time in prison um, exclusively. Is that correct? Yeah, that that prop. Well, I'll, I'll extemporate a little on that. But we did have uh, when we first started in 2019. Like I told you, we started a, a nonprofit called Out of Bounds Nation, OBN Foundation. And we had an apprentice program, which Prison Break Brewery paid for. And we gotcha. sent one girl through it, an Asian girl over in, uh, uh, she was in San Diego here. And uh, she took uh, online courses that we paid for through San Diego State, which gave you Cicerone training, which nice. is, I don't know if you know, a beer expert, uh, yeah. like a sommelier. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, anyway, so she passed them. And then we uh, um, uh, 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 apprenticed her in a brewery, a local Temecula brewery. And, uh, and then, but then we lost all of our money and that company's gone now and I'm going to, I'm going to restart it. And, uh, hopefully we can, you know, we can get some money from foundations to, uh, to do that. We've kind of got a blueprint just, uh, went broke, had to start over. And, uh, that's always going to be our thing. In fact, that, that woman I just talked about, you know, I'm hoping to make her like, you know, like right next to me, right under me. She's, she's bright. She did like eight years. You know, she's brilliant. She's creative and, uh, uh, you know, she's a cool woman. And she just had circumstances, got away from her, did some time, uh, some white collar crime in California. And uh, I would love to have her working right now because I'm terrible at this shit. Except for selling. I'm good. I'm good at that. Good at that. You got to keep yourself selling. I like that, dude. I like that a lot because it's giving people, from what I understand, you know, people are quite judgmental when it would come to something like that. Or if they did the background check and they found that someone had done some prison time, then that would probably negatively affect their chances of getting work. Is that accurate? That's what right. I've heard. That's, is that that's accurate? Yeah, of course. And, and in a way, it could be, it should be true. I mean, there's a bunch of guys in prison that are that are lazy and trying to get over on the system. Then there's a lot of other guys that are that have wife and kids and are trying to turn their life around. Mm. And it's up to me. It's up to me to winnow through the crowd to find our to find people that want to, that to work for me. And they're getting it on the bottom floor of a of a what would someday uh, if if we don't go broke first become a big company. And oh, yeah. uh, and, and so. Um, it's uh, but I know how to discern them. I've got 22 years in prison. I know the hustlers, and and uh, I know I know how to find them. And uh, we want to give the people who want a chance a second chance, not the people who want a free ride. Um, I want I want our program to be successful, and you need good candidates for that. Mm. How do you determine that? Um, specifically, being that you are like. Are you looking for certain characteristics are you, or are you sort of the opposite? Are you looking, if you see a specific characteristic in the interview, you're like, nah, like how do you know if someone's going to be a good fit for you? Uh, well, to tell the, the way that there's drug, pro like when I got out of federal prison, I was automatically enrolled in a drug program, uh, residential. And I would go from the halfway house in there. Well, in there they have counselors and uh, them counselors, uh, at the time I had, my nephew was expanding his business and he had, and he needed a bunch of workers. So I was going, I was going to go try to get him some ex-felons. They paid a lot better than the guys at the halfway house were getting. It was a good job. And so, uh, I went to, uh, the late, one of the ladies who were at the drug program. I go, Hey, who's got a family? 
who's really serious about their shit because you have to do one-on-ones with them. Mm. And they go, here, I got two people right here. They, they would be great employees. I give two of them home runs. Um, there's ways I know how to find, I know how, I know how to go. There's people who know. If you're in an aftercare drug program, they know who's hustling. They, the people that are trying to hustle them don't think they know, but they know. <laughs> oh, come on. Right. They do this for a living. They, they meet a bunch of hustlers. They right. knew I wasn't hustling. And so I went back in there and told them what I was up to. And they said, oh, we love it. Interesting. That, that's really smart, dude. Like actually going to a counselor who speaks to people to be like, hey, who do you think? Like, and yeah. I, I like it as well. It's like um, the joke always that my girlfriend and I have, like she had an old employer that said she used to ex- exclusively hire single mothers because they knew they had to work hardest and they wouldn't yeah. easily yeah. quit. And I always good thought that business. was like, well, it's good business. It sounds a little like sketchy when you say it like that, but <laughs> the reality is when you have more to lose, you're going to work harder and you're not going to flake out and just quit yeah. or give up. So, And uh, these people know, the counselors know, who, who, who know, like young guys, 30-year-old, 30, 30 you know, like Hispanic guys in California. They got they got two kids. They, they feel terrible. They let their wife down. They went off to prison. They let their kids down. They've only been gone for three or four years, guys that went to camp. They didn't get institutionalized, and they're coming out. And uh, I know how to find them is my point. And, That's uh, dope. And, and guess what? There's some smart, some smart creative there's a bunch of lazy bastards in there. Don't get me wrong. There's some really hardworking, you know, creative, smart guys. Um, uh, you know, I'm a hard worker. My partner is. I'm, you know, like I said, there's, there's, uh, we're a little bit of anomalies, but not really. No, it makes sense, dude. And it comes back to uh, what I was saying earlier about this. Pro- there's probably a bunch of skills that you learned doing what you did to get yourself in prison that. Pl- they really just it's probably sales you probably got your sales skills or something from that and like knowing how to deal with you know some people who are selling you cocaine or whatever are going to be some probably interesting characters and you have to deal with them <laughs> a certain way so then you yeah. probably learn to read people quicker than the average person because you had life or death if you didn't you could piss the wrong person exactly. off and, um so yeah. that skill that you had in that trade helped you in this new trade they just basically, oh, no doubt. yeah, and then the same thing for all these I, other people. That's sick, dude. Yeah, I read. I can read. I can read bar owners a little better, I, mm-hmm. and I know when people are telling me, oh, "I love what you're doing in that," but but fuck off. But they're not saying that. And uh, and then there's then there's people that actually I'll say, look, just taste the beer, and that that's when usually uh, things. Our message isn't going to resonate with everyone. Of course, uh, it should, but. It should because down the road we're going to give we're going to give like five percent of our profits and they're going to go to things like you know violence against women and you know and stuff because that was a crime I really never liked in the state prison you know uh, why you know why you know abusive you know your children and your wife uh, and so alcohol causes a lot of that there's a lot of guys doing time because they got drunk they they assaulted their wife they, and guess what they needed to go to the jail but. Also, alcohol fueled it, and so it's like uh, I'm, if I'm going to sit here and make money off uh, alcohol, I want to say, hey, look, we know there's a problem here. Not with responsible drinking, not with people who laugh, you know, and, and stuff they get when they get drunk and have a good time and and treat their wife, girlfriend, you know, significant other with respect and dignity, and uh, you know that that kind of drinking's cool. 
but that's not the way everybody drinks, you know. So we have we can't just sweep that under the carpet and say drink responsibly. Um, that's not enough. Um, I've been in there, I know, and uh, uh, you know. So we want to try to bring it to the forefront. I hope we have money someday so we can donate to some cool groups and and, and do some, you know, help them with some fundraisers for abuse, you know, spouses and shit. That would make me feel great because um, I know alcohol. I don't know the numbers. Probably, I got to say, eighty percent of it. If you ask a cop, eighty percent of 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 like any kind of violence against your spouse is probably alcohol fueled. Oh, I see. I see. I see. Okay. Um, yeah, that's pretty. I'll, crazy. Be, I'll bet it is. As yeah. a, if you ask a cop, the the, the situation they don't want to go into is domestic abuse cases. Right. Usually, there's liquor involved. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's eighty percent. It might be sixty. Either way, a uh, lot. It's a problem. And yet, you know, the best you get out of them is drink responsibly. Like, don't get caught drunk driving. Mm. Uh, you know, well, fuck, there's more to it than that. Yeah. Interesting. And that's, so that makes a lot of sense, being that you're starting an alcohol company, to be able to give back immediately and encourage right. that responsible that's drinking. We'll have, I don't know if we'll ever have profits is the problem. We, pro, <laughs> we pledge 5% of our profits, but, boy, that might be a long time. Hey, man. <laughs> You never know. You never know. Like things, like you said, you've seen both, you know, you've seen people thriving out there and you're landing tap handles, you're hustling. And if it's only been four months, I mean, that's like scratching the surface. Like, you know, these things are brick by brick. I I understand that. I'm way ahead of other people. Yeah. Yeah, man. And it's because of our message, but it's still, I'm out of money. You know, it's like financially, we're like, you know, I'm on a, you know, you know, on a thread and uh, we're trying to raise money. We're trying to get a brewery. We're trying to look for investors. You know, we got a crowd investing thing up on a on a on a website. Uh, you know, we're trying anything to keep going because I'm getting a lot of traction. And the more tap panels I get, the more people become aware of me, and the more tap panels I get. And I'm starting to catch a tiny bit of critical mass around my areas. But I'm I'm delivering beer, I'm cleaning my lines, and I'm selling it. And That's awesome. uh, and I'm old, but anyway, <laughs> getting that workout, lifting all them kegs, bro. Well, I get that lifting weights, you know. There you go, professional. I've been doing that for about thirty years, so luckily I can still lift the kegs. Yeah, <laughs> shit, man, it's uh, it's smart that because that is a, a hectic workout. Okay, so the coming back because you mentioned something earlier that I just kind of thought of randomly it's a little off topic what we're talking about but you mentioned that the situation you were in in prison you had like essentially offices with like TV screens and stuff that allowed you to work do you want to like paint that picture because most of us would have just seen stuff on television and you know like Orange is the New Black or whatever like some shit like that okay well that's phony first off that woman that woman that came up with that she did like six months I wouldn't even talk to someone doing six months, and I told them, "Get the fuck out of my face! You don't, you're not going to be here long enough for me to talk to." Right. But that being said, um, uh, the the whole thing. Wait, what was your question again? That just got me going again. Okay, sorry, bro. Um, paint the picture of your um, the office you were telling me about in the prison that oh, you had okay. access to. Yes. Okay. Well, my partner, uh, my partner Jack, he ran. He came from another institution, and. Uh, I worked in recreation at, at, we were at this place called Florence and Florence has the Supermax, which is the ADX. It's the highest security prison in the world, supposedly, definitely for America. It's where all the terrorists and everything goes, well, they're all on lockdown. So uh, people from the camp where I was with no fence had to go over there and run their, their edu- education, their uh, food service, 
recreation, because they were locked in all the time. So anyways, my partner Jack was so good at it that they started getting comp. They were, we were like number in the 20th percentile nationwide for the BOP. Well, once he took over and I took over rec, we were, we were number one in the country. And these, his bosses were getting bonuses and stuff. And the lieutenants were, and, and he was also given some uh, 401k advice. He was a commodities trader. And uh, anyways, uh, so the, the lieutenants just kind of say, hey, I ran the gym. I had an office in there with a flat screen. He ran education and there was like four TVs. And uh, it was like, leave these guys alone. They're going to get their little hustle on, but they're not selling drugs or alcohol or cigarettes. So let them be. And so the cops kind of let us be because he made them look good. Mm. And they were getting commendations and raises. And so we had a very unique situation with a guy who ran education, the cop, the CO, he used to let us close education two nights a week and people would complain and they would go to him and complain. He'd say, shut the fuck up, man. That's, <laughs> that's, that's straw. If he wants to shut it two nights a week, he has my permission. Uh, because everything was running good. And so we had a funny situation and that's why we're in negotiations about a TV show about it. Cause it's all true. And, uh, so, uh, we're working on stuff. Dude, that's awesome. I like that too. Hustle. <laughs> so the, you got the TV, they got the beer stuff, like TV stuff and, uh, the music stuff. So and the music two books. Is, and two books, um, and two books, one comedy and one, a uh, true story. Okay, so like a nonfiction, just like a memoir type of thing? Uh, it's, a, it's our story. It starts yeah. with him in prison catching a vicious beating when he got to Latuna, and uh, and then it progresses. Then he meets me in prison, and it morphs into our story. Interesting. That's sick, dude. That's, that's smart. A, that's, about a, that's a movie deal. He wrote a screenplay for it, too, because somebody asked him to, and uh, they're going to fly him out to Chicago next month, see if we can get anything going on there. But everything is a Prison Break Brewery production. Right. Everything, our whole company's mission statement was to get free advertisement to promote our beer by doing shows like yours. By, you know, we'll hire Smith Publicist. We've already dealt with them. They they want us back. And uh, go get me interviews. Uh, we're not, we don't, I don't want to pay for, uh, I don't want to pay for advertising. Public, right. I want, yeah. When there's, we have a story to tell and, and a mission. And, uh, so we want to get we want to get notoriety for our beer because of what we're doing mm. and how hard it's been and how hard it continues to be. <laughs> yeah, man, it's it's it doesn't matter what you're doing. It's just hard to get traction because there's so so much noise, so much stuff Is happening. Um, there's so much stuff. Yeah, it's nonstop. I noticed that you were doing actually because I mean, you brought that up. Uh, I was going to tell you. I think it was a sick idea that you're doing so many podcasts. I noticed that some of the you know we met through this podcast connection uh, tool at website that um, and I saw that you're on a bunch of other ones that I was talking to. I was like, smart bro. I like that you're doing that because it is free. It takes a matter of just sending a message, searching and sending a message, and then you're getting essentially long tail SEO. On, so you're getting your Google rankings right. up and then you're getting the listener possibility that the right person is going to listen or watch that podcast. You never it's can great. tell who's going to listen. It's like this, this is by far, it's my first cocktail uh, podcast. Anyway, uh, <laughs> this is, this has been really good. It's nice. Uh, so I get to blurt out my story. I'm sorry I'm long winded, but uh, no, I, dude, this is the long winded part. I have to remember my mission <laughs> statement. Yeah, it helps me remember my mission statement. You know, uh, 
while I was trying to do this and stuff. At the beginning, I really just wanted a bunch of money. And now it's like, I don't, I'm old. I just want a pontoon boat and a few bucks and, and get, get this going and uh, let somebody else take it to the next levels. Um, I, don't, I don't need that part. <laughs> That's great. That's really like the unselfish, man. Like it's, uh, you, you sound like you've had like a pretty unusual life that most people wouldn't get to experience. Uh-huh. You've got context of, of life that most people don't have. So it's cool. I, I feel like you got this wisdom that, uh, you know, through something that you're even seeing, most people would be like, that's terrifying, but you're like, nah, man, that saved me. And that's, um, I don't know, it's just refreshing. And it's kind of cool that you're seeing it that way and you're doing this positive stuff and then employing people who have been through the same thing because you were able to navigate it. It's, it's like a, it's a cool, like, uh, energy you're putting out into the universe, like just a lot of positivity. It's good shit. That's that's what it's all about. If I put it out there, I'm going to receive it. Um, it's like, uh, when I get like, when I hire young guys, young guys or women, uh, like I said, our first person was a woman, but I, you know, I, I, I want, I, I don't want them just, you know, to be employees and stuff. I wanted to, I, all the time, I'm going to say, look, man, I, I didn't start till I didn't, I got out when I was 58 and started this driving a truck. I, you're still a 35 year old man. You're getting on the ground floor of a company. What, right. what you do with it is up to you. And, you know, and, 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 and the funny thing is because I've got 22 years in prison, a lot of the younger, you know, men and women who have dealt with the criminal justice system, I you do get a certain respect for that. I wasn't a gangster, nothing like that, or a killer, nothing like that. But I did my time, and uh, and and you, and people have done your time, done time. If you've done twenty two years, you get a certain respect, and and people will value, especially at my age. I'm sixty six. You know, a little bit of wisdom. Um, you mm. know, and. Uh, so I'm going to pass some of that on. And, uh, and I actually, I, I still talk to young people. Okay. No, it's like, I feel like you, you carrying yourself with that. And, uh, and I imagine that I was going to ask, but you kind of maybe answered it that like people do get, Oh, wow. You did, and you're, you know, you did that long, but Hey, you're just like anyone else. Like you're like, cause people might have a, a, a different maybe perspective of what a, you know, ex con would look like type of thing. And if you're out here and you just got a business and you're just a normal guy selling a, a high quality product and trying to do your shit, like that's awesome that people are respecting that as opposed to potentially judging. But I imagine you might get some judgments from you know they don't say it, but I sometimes I can tense a little. But overwhelmingly, if if, if like because I approach them like I approach you, yeah, you know, I, you know, basically I was a fuck up. And, you know, I, I had my life, my life was out of control and I'm trying to do it now. And once you kind of fess up and don't minimalize your actions, mm. you know, they they go, what do you do time for? I go, well, mostly pot. And they go, oh, no, and I go, no, 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 no. It was illegal when I was doing it. And I, I wasn't doing it because I thought it shouldn't be illegal. I was doing it to make money. So I knew the laws. I knew the guidelines. I knew how much time I'd probably do. You know, so I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and play some innocent bullshit. Do I think it's right? I've done all that time over marijuana in one drug case. No, but you know, uh, but that being said, there's tons of people that got way worse deals than I did. And, uh, um, it's not right, you know, but there's, but you know, but then there's other sides when I grew up, all the stuff that goes on now about these robbing stores and all this, you went to jail for that. You know, if you stole cars, you went to jail and you would do time. Um, now it's like, 
they don't do anything. And uh, I don't know, everything's kind of a muck nowadays. The, mm. the, the structure in the, in the community is not as tight as it once was when I was a kid. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask about that. Actually, this is, this is really good segue. So like the smashing grabs I've, you know, on the internet, I'm seeing them all the time. And I heard that in California, they won't even talk to you if you stole under $900 worth of uh, goods. I heard right. like they that. They don't even talk to you anyway. This, this guy, uh, uh, Garcon, the, the district attorney in LA, even if it's over 900, he's not prosecuting. There was a guy, I don't know if you followed the story. He mm-hmm. had gotten arrested for grand theft auto. He stole 17 or 18 BMWs. They would arrest him, bring him into LA County and release him on his own recognizance because they quit the bail system out here. And eight, he didn't want to steal the cars. He was just like proving a point. He got 18 GTAs. He would let them catch them and go steal, let him out and go steal another one. And think of how stupid that is. Come on. It's man. ridiculous. And, you know, and, uh, and, uh, it's, uh, but, you know, whatever. I'm old. I'm not going to have to deal with it. I'm hoping I can get that pontoon boat I was talking about. <laughs> and don't have to worry about it. Off. Yeah, man. Yeah. Just don't throw a phone away. So then with the pot laws, obviously here in Canada, it's legal federally. And in Cali, it's been legal for a long time. Um, does it, like, are they doing anything to sort of, you know, say anyone who's in serving time now for any sort of marijuana offense being that it's legal now, are they sort of like overturning anything or what's the, what's happening with all of that? It's not, but it's not legal. It's legal in California and whatever States it's legal federal federal. They're talking about right now, this week, uh, they said it to the DEA about dropping marijuana from a class three, which is the same as heroin, uh, you know, methamphetamine, acid, LSD, whatever you want to name. And then, uh, dropping it down to a, a prescription, available drug where a doctor could prescribe it, which would allow, but the, the big, the big thing about that is once that's done, then the credit card companies can get involved. And right now they can't, they're all sitting on the sideline. And so all the business here is cash and carry. They have about two ATM. Yeah. Mm. Two ATMs in the pot shop. Yeah. Not that I know, but that's what somebody told me. And anyways, um, there's like, you can get, you can get cash there, but you can't use your ATM or a credit card. Well, if they go to class one, they can which they should. Mm. Uh, look, I, I sell beer. If you told, and I used to sell pot. If you ask me which one's worse, well, I got to go with the beer. <laughs> it is. You know, I, you know, I got, I got to go with the beer. Nobody drinks, gets drunk, and beats their wife up and their kids up, or go drive a car into a, you know, a crowd of people in an accident. Mm. Uh, the marijuana thing's a little mellower. Oh, I couldn't agree more. And uh, we, I noticed that in Denver and in. Um, where was I? Boston, um, where it's legal in Massachusetts and Colorado. So I went to the stores there to see what that was like. And I, I didn't, they wouldn't take the credit card. So I had to go to the ATM, take money out in Canada right, right. because it's legal nationally. There's a federally, website, yeah. it's legal federally. So I can just go to a website and order it with my credit card. So I guess yeah, a credit yeah, card yeah. and they're charging tax on it. So it's, uh, but I kind of like me, it. Believe me, MasterCard and Visa are on the government. You can bet they got a bunch of K Street lobbyists right now working on that problem. Right. And they have had for years because mm. they're leaving all kinds of money on the table. Transaction mm. fees. It so makes, it's yeah. going to get done. 
I, I'd hope so because it makes it's it's almost weird. You come say I don't know if you've been to Canada. Oh, can you go to Canada? Because isn't Canada crazy no. about? Uh, yeah, I, okay. I used to go to Canada, but I can't go anymore. You can't know. I did hear that they were crazy about anyone who's got a record, but even the drunk driving, they'll yeah. Down. I've got a fr- I got I know someone who can't who can't cross. I have to always go and meet them in the states somewhere. Um, right, but at the border they've got the big signs like no cannabis and stuff. But like if you cross from where we are you go into Buffalo, New York, where I used to live in Montreal, you cross into Vermont and it's legal in both those States, but you can, I take beer both, both ways, but you can't take uh weed yet, yeah. which is, um, yeah, because it's uh, still class A, class, yeah, class A, because it's class A, a. Even, yeah, exactly. right. I wonder if, I never thought about this, that if it is legalized federally in the U S that I wonder if between the two countries, yes, like whether of it's, course. You better take it between. Right. Once a federal law, although you might need a prescription. Because they're going to drop it to a class A narcotic and you still need a prescription. It would be like, uh, uh, it it would be like, what is that? Motrin with codeine. Uh, Gotcha. uh, Low grade. It's not a duplicate. It's just a low grade, uh, what you call it, prescription. Gotcha. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I wonder if I see what you're saying because for the law, technically though it's recreational here. You can have a card, but who cares when it's, there's stores on every corner here? Probably just like yeah. in, in Cali. So I wonder if eventually it, it, they'll be able to do it. But you're probably right because if it's still maybe if it's legalized, it wouldn't be a, a class A. It would be like beer, like you know what I mean, like bring it, it to a consumer yeah, product. It would just be regulated by age. But the thing they're trying to get to now, and the DEA has to agree to it. And fuck the DEA. Or the, what, but this is a this is a this is a health issue, and, mm. you know. And and they've already signed off on it. You know, the Department of Health has already signed off on it. Right. And uh, so uh, don't don't get the DEA saying, well, we don't think you should do that. The reason that marijuana was always a gateway drug was because the guy you had to go buy it from, i.e., me, probably had some kilos of coke he was trying to sell you too. So that's why it was the gateway right. drug. Yeah, if you go if you go down to the store and buy it, the only gateway you might go grab a six pack on the way home of shank, mm. preferably. Preferably, <laughs> you'd be crazy not to. That's <laughs> the upselling. I never thought about that with the upselling. That's uh, that's a good that's that's a good anecdote, bro. I like that. Like you are right. Like if the dealer was savvy and was a business person, then you go there for your for your for your weed, and then you're like, oh yo, I got this too. Yeah, exactly. To, I'm trying to think Who back. Doesn't like weed and a good beer. Come on. Yeah, man. it's the greatest. There's nothing better. Not that I know anything about it, but uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's well, legal? You're allowed to know as much as you like about it. Yeah, yeah, I, exactly. Now I can. Yeah. Now you can finally. Um, when I was okay. driving truck, I couldn't. I no. still couldn't smoke weed because I had to do a uh, oh, the the Department test. of Transportation test at random, so oh. I couldn't smoke. Even even though I would only do it on weekends when I wasn't driving, I couldn't do it. How long were you al- – okay, so that was for the job. But when you got released, were you – did you have any, like, probation or restrictions at all? Yeah. yeah. I was on probation from the feds. And then – I'll tell you how bad this was. I had a I had a pod case in Rhode Island in 1996. Mm-hmm. They gave me 25 years. Only Jeez. 62 pounds of indoor pot. They, mm-hmm. gave me tw- they gave me 25 years, nine to serve. Well, I did the time on it, and it had 16 suspended. And all it was supposed to be is don't get in trouble. You don't have to report. It's like an informal probation. Well, mm-hmm. I, I got out of Rhode Island, and, uh, and then I got this Fed case. When I got out, I still had four This is 2016. 
And this is from a 1996 podcast that I had already did the time on. In California, in a, to, to watch me, said, well, you got to go on formal probation. And then I got this guy who wouldn't let me drive out of state, so I had to move. It, it was like they made it 10 times harder than it had to be. And I wasn't right. breaking any rules. My federal probation was cool. But the, I got some little podunk town in uh, California and uh, out by the river, and uh, I got hosed. <laughs> right. What does that mean? Excuse my ignorance. Like uh, oh the hose yeah they I I, ended, I I was living with my sister when I got out she had a badass house in Lake Havasu overlooking the lake and but it was in a small community only three hundred people so I had a a weird probation situation well anyways I was driving a truck hauling cars and I could park my truck right across the street from her house in a, in a, a deserty lot everything was cool I was working my ass off putting money in the bank I get this new probation officer who says well you can't leave the state. I said, I'm only going to Arizona and Nevada. And uh, I couldn't do it, so I, I had to quit that job. And uh, oh. eventually I had to come move to a city where I live now in Riverside. I didn't know a soul, but I had to get a different probation officer so I wouldn't have to deal with this idiot. Right, and then that would allow you to drive into state again. Out of the state. As soon as I got a real probation officer in Riverside, they said, yeah, you can leave the state. I went and got my old job back. They go, just text us. When you're leaving the state, when you come back in, you're a truck driver. And right. we understand. We want to see your pay stubs. Okay. Perfect. I mean, like, they can't, it seems counterproductive to stop someone who's trying to re They don't care about that. They, yeah. most of them want you to go back. The whole system is set up because the more people that go back and come out, it's, it's job security. Right. It's a for profit business. Right. The unions, the prison workers union and stuff, and probation officers, that it, they're the most powerful labor group in California, the prison guards. Mm. Well, they have they have a stake in us coming back. Uh, and, you know, um, that is the most powerful union in California right now. Uh, it's right there with the teachers union, but they actually exert a little more influence. And uh, it's there's some politics involved, man. That's fucked up. Like, I was going to ask you then, I don't know if you just want to comment generally speaking. Obviously, the, the, the private prison system seems pretty damn evil. You know, like the, the <laughs> people own the system and then they make the laws so that it puts people in positions to get them back in. And then it keeps them, like you said, the recidivists keep coming back and back. Um, well, yeah, just just general thoughts of it all. I mean, is it like, you know, you've been through it, I guess. You know, so you've it's seen prevalent. The, it's prevalent. Man. Right. The, I'm not. I'm not the only one. This is this is what a lot of their thing is. It's the, especially. How can you trust a private have private systems when their whole business model is based on having people in prison? And mm. if you start getting rid of nonviolent people that aren't going to cause trouble, and and then we don't have the overflow, and then they lose their business. But they've got, you know, come on, man, they, they're paying mm. lobbyists. Our government that you can't even get elected to Congress now unless it's a constant fundraising thing. So they'll take money from everyone. We have bad term, these two-year terms. I don't feel they do anything. I think Congress people should have four term limits. Uh, you guys you guys seem to be doing a little better, but then I see some train wrecks on your side too. It's not as good as it used to be. And I've only been here 13 yeah. years, and it's not the same country I moved to. It's changed a lot. It sucks. It's, it's a different type of sucking to the states because it's like there's pros and cons of both systems. Like I'm from Australia and Australia yeah. and Canada have the yeah. same British parliamentary system and a, a pretty similar. Whereas US was formed with 
Like you guys, I love about the states is they uh, really support capitalism, and I like. I am a business owner. I like capitalism. Yeah. It has yeah. its flaws, I know, but there's less red tape. But then there's way more corruption there because of because of that lack of red tape. Like starting aside from alcohol, because alcohol sucks, as far as the bureaucracy involved but like there's so many things here the taxation is crazy the healthcare sucks but we're forced to pay for it that you don't have you know you don't have it but you also aren't forced to pay for it so we're going to pay for something that's trash um there's all these you know there's like it's like but then we don't have the gun laws so it's a little bit safer overall there's sort of less violence and stuff a little bit a a little bit i love it I mean, it's getting it's getting bad though, but yes, not in the same, nah, nah, not nah, the same nah, way, nah, nah, not the same nah, way. Nah. I don't want to hate on Canada. I'm not hating on the states either. It's just like, yeah, they are very different the way they operate as well. Yeah, and yeah. I know they're everywhere is corrupt. So like, you know, Australia is corrupt. Canada's a government for sure. They are definitely people are you know exerting influences via money and other means and stuff. But it's America's, horrible, man. Yeah, it's 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 horrible. It's uh, it's it's. Man, I hate it. I wish, I wish they could fix it, man. Just yeah, we did it. We had a ruling called Citizens United, which okay. allowed un, unlimited, you know, contributions to uh, PACs. You know, nobody has to, you know, reveal theirself. Well, that's just basically making election. How can you? How can our Supreme Court rule that a corporation is a citizen mm-hmm. when a citizen is looking for the, you know, the pursuit of happiness, and a corporation is looking at the pursuit of profits and. uh our Supreme Court, we're hit for a while. Uh, it's going to take years to get over it. I don't know how you guys are doing, but I think we're screwed for a while out here. I think both. I think I think we're, I don't know, man. I'm a little pessimistic about it all. I think we're all kind of screwed, and I don't really know what the answer is. <laughs> and I don't know, I don't know if, either. I, like, are we just tripping out because we're in this sort of dip where inflation's high, like interest rates are fucked, nobody has jobs, people are living in the streets, like everyone's on drugs, killing themselves, no one, you know, it's just like a really rough time more than ever, but are we just at the bottom and we're going to come and see the light or or is this different? I don't know. That's a, that's a tough question. It's, it's not as bad as it's portrayed, but the homeless thing is, and yeah. I forget how many are becoming more homeless because of uh, low cost ink, you know, rent, rent and stuff. People are getting thrown in the streets yeah. and, and it is bad. And then in other ways, you know, things are going along. Okay. Here, some things are turning better, but I have a, there's just a great sense of pessimism in the country. I mean, we got that. That's what hurts our, yeah, like our company in ways. We're two old white guys. I mean, this is from the guys who brought you Joe Biden and Donald Trump. Um, you know, uh, nobody's, uh, nobody really feels, uh, real bad about a couple of white guys that were in prison <laughs> trying to, trying to do something. But, uh, I don't know what's going to happen, man. Yeah. Um, I just hope the economy keeps chugging along so, uh, I can get this started. And not to mention, I would, I just want people to be able to afford to eat and have a decent life. Of course. Like who wants to yeah. be around the opposite of that? Shouldn't everyone be thriving? It's just like a better world. If everyone's yeah. thriving, we got more creative minds. People are just in uh, doing cooler stuff. Like, I don't want to yeah. walk past and see. Like, we didn't have the tents. I've been through, um, what's the place called in LA? Um, Skid Row. Like, I've been on the outskirts of that a few years ago accidentally. I was like, oh, fuck. Like, this was, it was intense. And, uh, pun intended. Um, and then here now, and I'm in, a, I'm in a city about an hour west of Toronto. And even here, the parks everywhere are just tense. It's like, it's crazy. Like it's, I, and the, Canada did not used to be like that. 
So it's, you know, it's very indicative of the times when I only ever saw it in a place like LA. Yeah, it's, you know. but then again, you know, in reality, uh, when you look at, you know, back in the 60s, uh, when I grew up, um, everybody, my dad was just, a, he ran a, 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 he ran a, a heavy equipment, he ran a dozer in a county landfill. And he moved his way up, you know, into the, you know, a foreman and then went to a private firm. But the, but the point being, he raised us on, on that salary and uh, and the tax rates back in the 60s. Everybody cries about them, but they were 55 percent plus the state taxes. You could pay 85 percent. But Jesus. but then they were funding the, the highway projects and stuff and everybody came up. Well, it our our whole thing went with. Uh, with uh, Milton Friedman economics, you know, trickle down economics. And, and in reality now, I mean, think about when a CEO used to make 13 to 15 times as much as the average employee. And now they're making thousands, as, thousands as much. Mm. Well, now the economy is not getting built from the ground up. In uh, trickle down economics, does not work? Uh, it seems like the workers getting back a little bit more power lately. And, and I used to put down the union stuff, but really without it, we wouldn't even have a middle class. Hmm. And even though I'm not part of it, 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 it's, it, I hate to say it, I used to not think that, but it's true, man. The corporates will squeeze the profits out of everything. And, and, and then it's just a, like a, the haves and the haves nots. And that's not a good society. Not at all. Nobody wants to live in that. It's miserable for everyone. It's uh, I I see what you're saying, dude. I feel like it's like, uh, can it be fixed? Is there a way out of it? Because the people who can get us out of it are so indebted with the great, like they're the ones who can change it, but they have the most to gain from keeping it this way. So exactly, the status quo puts money in their pocket. We're hit. Exactly. So then, (laughs) what do we do? One of my friends was saying he thinks this is the beginning of the crumbling of the American Empire, just like the crumbling of the Roman. But like he said, it's like decades away. But you're seeing the the beginning. That that's what happens apparently every time to the Romans. Oh yeah, because the decay is eating that empire up. Yeah, because they're not taking care of people. You guys. I mean, I love Elon Musk. I mean, he's a he's a genius. But that doesn't mean he's a genius at everything. So you know. Don't talk about everything. Talk about what you know. Mm. And uh, but he has too much power. When he can decide if if you know if Ukraine can use his his you know his telephone system for strategic things, well, that's the government's decision in mm. matters of war, not his. And uh, but think about man, the 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 wealthy have undue influence over our government everything. now. That yeah. that was never like that before. That's really true. What what happened? How did that get here? Well, they got off the, uh, uh, actually, David Stockman, they worked for Ronald Reagan, kind of got it started. And that's when they started repealing back uh, banking, you know, banking laws and stuff that let them run run more. They dropped it. It used to be the income tax rate was so high, especially over a certain amount. Mm. And uh, they kept they kept dropping the taxes on that. And it started separating the wealthy from, the uh, you know, from the poor. Mm. And it's exacerbated through 30 years. Um, I've read a few books on it. It's uh, and I mean they've documented it, and you can watch a steady progression of uh, of, of income inequality. And mm. for me, I would rather have I, I want I want income equality because then people buy beer. And not only do I want it for them and, and, and for their prosperity, 
but I want the low, you know, I want, I want the middle class to have money to buy beer mm-hmm. and, and, and not because the people, the, the 1% don't drink beer. They're pounding red wine and champagne. Okay. Um, and I don't blame them. It's better than beer, but that, <laughs> that being, that being said, um, that, you know, I want to make sure everybody has some money so they can go buy a shake. Hell yeah. <laughs> I look, I like that though. It's going to a good cause. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted to, <laughs> right? Like fuck, yeah, um, me. <laughs> you know, Greg and the people who, you, like you said, you know, that maybe you'll pass it on to when you got your pontoon boat and you're chilling. You know, um, yeah. I wanted to ask, just like sort of almost like off topic. I know we were talking about like good stuff, but like as far as like, do you have any like fun or wild or crazy like sto- prison stories that you could share that like uh, that would. Like, I imagine you've probably seen the wildest shit ever, but whatever you can say within reason. That's, uh... I, you know, prison stories. I mean, I, I don't even like to glorify the. I've seen some violent prison riots. I mean, I, but I've, I laugh more in prison than I have since I got out. That's for sure. There's some funny okay. shit goes on in there. Um, uh, I've seen more like crazy stuff back in like my smuggling days. I mean, I've been chased by helicopters, by the DEA in the middle of the desert, in the middle of the night, a hundred miles from any, you know, any uh, kind of town or shit. I mean, uh, you know, yeah. I've been chased by the Coast Guard out in Florida coming in from Bimini Rock on a boat. I, I've had weird uh, shit happen. But prison is just kind of prison. It, so much funny stuff happens every day. And I was kind of a vicious smart ass. Uh, uh, yeah, that was just me. Everybody knew I was, and because I did a lot of time. And it's prison. There's a hierarchy and stuff. If you're good in sports, you know, and stuff, uh, people get to know you, and uh, or if you've done a lot of time. And I was luckily, well, not luckily. I I'm blessed that I kind of excelled at sports. And prison, there's a lot of sports, uh, a lot of sports, and a lot of insulting. And uh, if you're good at them too, uh, you're probably going to do time pretty easy. Okay. As a, like, I'm, I'm just pulling this from what I've seen on, on TV. I don't think I know anyone who's been to prison or at least that I've asked about. Um, is it, is it the, this is just dumbass questions. So I just imagine other people might be interested. That's all right. I know it's a beer podcast as well, but this is, this is interesting shit. Do you, is there like the, the, what's the thing called when you come there? Does someone come and fall? Or you have, someone always said to me that when you go to prison, bro, I don't know why this guy was telling me this. I remember years ago and he was like, you got to go in there. You got to just go fuck up somebody immediately. You go in there, you beat the shit out of somebody. You got to let them know you can't be fucked with. Is that like a thing? Yeah. And you can't let people disrespect you. You don't have to go look for, you can go through if luckily, you know, if you don't run into any idiots, you can go through by respecting people and, but, but not in the state prisons, in the federal prisons, they're more like that. But Victorville wasn't all the way like that. Yeah, you, you might have to show your shit. But, uh, and also, if, like, if you're under 50, because uh, I hadn't did time in a California, I've been in a California prison, federal, but not when I came back in the last time, I went to a place called Victorville. They call it Victimville. Well, it was a California yard. It was a level, you know, it, it was a, a high level, a medium level, medium high level of federal prison. And so people would, uh, if you were younger, like I was 48. So if you were like 30 and you came in, like the, all the white guys, the Peckerwoods would come up and press on you. Okay, you got to be a soldier. And that means you had to go like administer beatings or uh, whatever, whatever the shot callers would say. Whatever, you know, whatever the, whoever had the yard, the shot caller, if he gave orders, you had, you know, you had to be a, 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 a soldier. So, yeah, it is like that in a lot of ways. Um hmm. 
other other than that, you're going to get checked in probably, you know, ran off the yard. What does that mean? That means if you don't do what they say, they're going to say, look, you better get off the yard and we're going to, we're going to, we're going to give you a vicious beating and send you to the hospital. Uh, either that or you go check in and say you feel threatened for your life, you know. Right. It doesn't happen a lot. The uh, So checking in just means like, hey, what do you need me to do to the person who's in charge? To the guards, yeah. You oh. did it. Yeah, if you check in, you got to tell them, hey, well, who was threatening you and stuff? So they tell, man. And that's uh, not, sometimes that's not- they don't tell. Sometimes they don't tell, but they, they, they end up just going to a fucked up place. Um, but they can check in, go down to the lieutenant and say, I'm afraid for my life. But usually the lieutenant oh, says, the hey, who's threatening you? <laughs> And then that means they're going to get you beat up because they're going to tell that guy that he's been, this person's been snitching. Okay. Um, Interesting. How does, like, so when this shock caller situation, that just is just someone who's like the man and who's just like running that particular area or something? Like, that particular race. Uh, Oh, okay. The whites had a a shock caller. The Serenios had a shock caller. We didn't have Norteños down south. Uh, The blacks would have a shock caller. And the Islanders uh, would have, and then the and the Pisas, the and they're, they're like the like the uh, illegals and that, not the California. The Serenos are more California-born uh, prisoners. They're gotcha. California-born uh, Mexican Americans, you know, Hispanic, and uh, grew up in L.A. or whatever. That's the South. Serenos mean South, and then up Northern California is Norteños. But uh, we had Serenos, and then you had Pisas, which were the a lot of them were illegals. But they formed their gangs, and they were usually had more people than anyone. Then there was the whites, the blacks, and the islanders. Uh, okay. If you if you did a population of a thousand people, uh, you know, uh, let's just say the the whites, the blacks, and the uh, southsiders and the islanders would all have like 120 people, and, and then the Pisans would have the rest. Okay, so they ran the place more than anyone else because of volume. No, 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 no. no. You have to. No, you can't no. let that lie. Sometimes, if they, if they get out of line, you gotta, you gotta have, the shot callers gotta meet up and say, "Hey, this guy did this to a white guy, or this guy did this to a paisa." It ain't right, man. We want, we want, you know, we want a pound of blood, a pound of beef, you know, okay. and uh, yeah. So you know, otherwise it could turn into a. I've been in the middle of yeah. It could turn All into right. a, some serious. Yeah, thing. it's just it's not a good thing. Did people overwhelmingly want it to be calm and chill, or are they looking for yeah. drama and violence? Nah, they're not looking for drama and violence. Um, they like to do their time and be left alone. Everybody has their own little things they like to do in there, and, and so a lot of it is being left alone. But a lot of guys, if they feel they got pumped, uh, you know, or somebody was disrespecting them a little, uh, you know, they couldn't deal with it. And they, they, they you know, they want to, they you know, check them on it and say, hey, Fuck you! You know we're gonna have to do something. I'm gonna have to you, go get your shit. You know your 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 shake. You know go get your shit. We'll take care of this. Right. Uh, there's people like that. You know um, they don't really want to negotiate. Um, okay. And, and they don't. And uh, I don't. I, I try as a rule, except for Victorville and that. I, I didn't see many stabbings and stuff. Uh, I That's wasn't good. at the highest security where it went down. Right. Okay. So it did go down, but not in the where you were at. As much. Right. Well, except for Victorville, I saw a few stabbings. But yeah, that's a, for the most part, I try to stay in lower security that are a little less tense. Gotcha. And then 
the could the people just come in there and you don't identify with anybody? You just like I'm just gonna stay in my room yeah. and read or whatever. And you yeah, start- yeah. In some ways, yeah. A lot of people, um, uh, yeah. You know, but but they didn't get. Yeah, they weren't getting any like. They weren't getting any respect like or whatever on the yard. Yeah, or protection. They were just left to their own devices. And I was older when I came in, but I did more time than a lot of them. Right. I said, come on, man. I don't, I don't, I don't want to hear all these rules. You know, give me a break, man. I know how to act. And right. uh, so they kind of let me. And uh, plus, I played on all the white sports teams, and I was really good. So they wanted me on their sports teams because I could beat the other races. And that's important <laughs> to them. It was weird. It's weird shitting there. I don't know. Was it weird um, adjusting? I mean, obviously, you spent more time, obviously, out than in. But, like, I guess you were gone for a reasonable amount of time, though. Like, what, six, seven, eight years at a time? Like, no, no, no. More than that. More than that. Okay. So then yeah. when you count, was that adjustment period weird coming out? Yeah. I came to, I, I came out to a halfway house first. But that you're still you're still in custody. Uh, I, then I went to my sister's in Lake Havasu. And I remember I got to her house and I went and she had a really nice house. Uh, uh, it's on a real small side of the lake, but it had a view of the, it had a view of the lake. It was a big, it was a nice house. And I went in the shower and it was just like all this like rock shower. It was really nice. And I remember taking my first shower at my sister's and I started laughing. And, and when I came out, she goes, what the hell are you laughing about there? I go, I couldn't believe I was in a shower like this. I go. You have no, you have no idea. And uh, there was all kinds of little things like that. I kind of missed that. I uh, I appreciated everything that I took for granted. Mm, that perspective is pretty crazy. Yeah, I can only yeah. imagine the shit that goes down. Like, okay, um, did people sneak stuff in? Like, did did that was that a thing yeah. too? Like phones and yeah. like yeah yeah uh, yeah. Back in my first not. Yeah, cigarettes and shit. But uh, back in my first bid, I had a cop bringing me weed in, and I was selling weed on the yard. I was only 30 then. Uh, in Rhode Island, I didn't. Uh, but in the Fed joints, I did. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, of course. Um, as I got older, I realized, uh, hey, can we stop this for a minute? Yeah, man. Pause. And we are pausing. And we're back. Um what was I going to ask? Oh, we're talking about stuff getting snuck in. Um, oh, we're talking about the adjustment to the uh, to the real world. Yes, coming out. Yeah, I. Uh, it's cool. I went to my sister's, like I told you, and mm. uh, she had cut, my sister's was like the local part. It was like the biggest house. On, it was a very small community, and it was the biggest house on that side of the lake. And it was like the party house. And she's like, I'm 66 now. I was 58 then, so. She was probably uh, 67, but her house, all the local people in Lake Havasu, it's a drinking community. Lake Havasu is a great party town in California, Arizona. And uh, anyways, uh, so it was kind of party central. And I remember, uh, <clears throat> and all her friends were really nice to me and, and inviting, but I would hang out for a little while. I had to go run in my room and, uh, and, and you know, just be alone more. And it, it took me a long time. Uh, I like that's why driving truck was cool because I was by myself. And with prison, it's just the opposite. You get no private. That's the worst part about doing time. Mm. There's no privacy. Hmm. I, you know, except at night once it quiets down. But it's still, you know, it's just it's it's not right. And uh, that that's what you miss. And so hmm. then when I got out and uh, 
I, I kind of gravitated more to, I didn't mind being in the truck. I'd listen to some spirituals to stuff and a bunch of music and uh, some podcasts. And uh, I, I didn't mind the truck. It kind of, but I was fucked up. I was institutionalized. I noticed a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine that it was, I mean, that sounds like a really cool way to like, you don't think about that. Like there's things that you yeah. like, took for granted, but also, yeah, like that's what I was getting at. I've heard the, you know, the, I can imagine you're in this, trap yeah. thing like you said everyone's got rules control from like the guards right. and they've got all these different people and groups and you got to make sure this person's not mad at you and you got to always be on guard you probably like cortisol is through the roof um I, you know yeah i don't know man i, I just i'm more of a, a you know whatever's gonna happen is gonna happen kind of guy and so i right. didn't really uh i didn't really worry about it a whole lot i was kind of uh actually uh uh, you know, uh, I don't even know the word for it, really, that uh, that I didn't really pay attention to it as much as I should have, unless I was getting by the metal detectors and stuff. But I was a little oblivious uh, to my surroundings sometimes because I didn't want to let that become who I was. And mm. uh, and, and it, it, it was like that. I had when, when I got to my sister's, I had actually been in since 2002 when I went to my my pro parole violation, although I was out for like five months in Rhode Island, it was in a halfway house. I wasn't really out. And so I hadn't experienced life since 2002. And then I got out in 2016, definitely institutionalized. And, right. and I am, and then being, and, and because of the circumstances I've led since I've been out, now I'm like fucked up. I've been by my, I, I, I have, I, I live a singular existence. I did, I don't any longer. Uh, when I got out driving truck and moving where I didn't know anybody, I live in a tiny little place. I don't want to go out. I, did, I want to save all my money. So I promised not to date or go out because it costs money. And I put all my money in the business and uh, I gave up my social life. And I, it was like a hermetic existence. And, mm. uh, and uh, but now I'm out. I'm not dating because the business can't pay for it. And I promised myself, but I am meeting women all the time. At least uh, I'm out in bars all the time. And I have a lot of bikini bar accounts and uh, stuff like that. And there's a lot of cool girls work out of them. They treat me cool. That's great. So you're enjoying it as uh, you know, you're, you're appreciating the journey. It sounds like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But now, you know, it's the worst part. I got a lot of good looking young, younger women, 30 ish, you know, uh, that are hot, you know, working out all these bars I go in. And now I don't even look at them. I, I, I'm fucked up. I don't even look at them as much as hot women. I'm going to, man, I hope she pushes my beer. You know? <laughs> <laughs> hey, man. That's all I think about, you know? That's awesome, and though. I, I mean, asked them to. I asked yeah. them to. I said, look, man, I'm a broke, struggling motherfucker. Man, push my beer. I said, it's the best beer. And and you've been drinking it. And I crushed too. I just, Easy. Yeah, this this is like quality beer, man. Yeah, man, it's great stuff, dude. It's uh, it's been really cool hearing the story, man. So, like, the main where if people are wanting to purchase the beer right now, what's the best way for them to purchase oh, the beer? Okay, if you go to our website, you can look at the where to buy, or you can go to buy now, which will send you to a website that's by um, Craft Beer Kings in Huntington Beach. I take beer over to them. And, uh, and and they sell online to the lower 48 states. And, uh, and, and you know, and, and it takes about three weeks. The beers are kind of expensive. Uh, for a couple six-packs, 
I think it's going to run you shipped around the country like six, 50 or 60 bucks or 40 okay. something. Three six packs would be 70. But anyways, and then and then and then also uh, if you're in Southern California, I'm in Riverside, Orange Counties. Okay, I see that uh, here on the website. Here you got like a yeah. list of um, of places in that p- yeah. specific area. Yeah. Which is great. And then so then there's the buy now that takes you to that other website. Yes, the Craft Beer Kings. I just did that order now. It takes you to the yeah. website so you can order. Do they ship nationwide or just within California? Nationwide. Nationwide. No, oh. Nationwide, yeah. As Lower I said. 48. Most counties. I think there's a few counties that still aren't cool with it, but they know where it is. It's on them. Okay, that's that's the vibes. Okay, so people can get the beer, check it out. Uh, if you go to any of these places, ask for it. If you go to, a, if you're particularly in, I guess Riverside or Orange County, ask for it at your uh, local yeah. bar, and you know, let them know. Tell them to get in touch. Check out the Thank website. Um, Greg, where can everyone find Prison Break online? Do you have any like social media and yeah, such? Oh yeah, we have at at Prison Break Brewery for our Instagram. Perfect. And uh, Facebook, yeah. We don't have a Twitter. We don't have a um, uh, what's the other one? Uh, it says uh, Twitter. Kids on. Oh, uh, TikTok. Kids T- on TikTok. TikTok. Yeah, we're yeah. not on TikTok yet. Uh, we're Luddites. Uh, but we're working on it. We've only got like a fourteen or fifteen hundred followers, but I would love some more. Um, yeah. And, Hell yeah. And, and me and my partner, you know, it's our time is. I, I, I deliver beer, I sell beer, I, I you know, I clean lines. I, I don't have a lot of time and, and we don't have any money to pay anybody right now. Uh, you know, so uh, we're hoping to build it up and then get a bigger brewery to, to come in and partner with us and take, a, take, take stock in our company and help us get it out there. Because we have a great brand, we got great beer, we have a great story. But we don't have the infrastructure or the or, or the uh, or, or the uh, financial backing right now to get it out there. And and I'm getting a lot of traction. And if I had money and was in with someone, this thing could blow up. Uh, it just really could. It, it's a good it's a good story. It's a good product. And we still have our entertainment stuff's going to come out and push all of it and get us bigger big interview bigger interviews. I love that. So if people do want to get in touch with you to talk about, you know, whether it's investing yeah. or anything, what's the best way for people to do that? GT at Prison Break Brewery. That's that's me, GT, Greg Thompson. GT at prisonbreakbrewery.com. Love it. And I will answer any emails. Um, uh, yeah. Um, like I said, it's a good – it could be a huge thing. It's unfortunate that by the time your uh, um, podcast by airs, you know, I, 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 hopefully I'm not back driving a truck and my company's on hold. Uh, I, you know, it's, it's one of them be. kind of things. Yeah, yeah. No, okay. no. I, it's we, two we weeks. They'll be out. No, that's good, yeah. man. Like, you're doing your thing. You got a strong story. Like I said, I saw that you're doing a bunch of these pods, and I think that's that's great to, you know, talk to all these I've different audiences. Two. So. I've only I did, did two, two besides yours. Okay. Yeah. I, I did three. I did three. One was a few years ago. Yours has been the best one. That's just oh. the one I got to myself <laughs> hey, anymore. I, well, I love it. It's like, well, this is a beer podcast, so you are the perfect guest for, for me, for us, um, to have on. And, like, I don't know, man, when I saw the, you know, your story, I was like, yo, this is fascinating. I just, like, I just, I just, it resonated immediately. I just thought, this is really cool. This is a guy who's been through some shit that most people have never been through. And of course. it's come out the other side and with a with a business and you're hustling you're trying to make something work and i just i respect yeah. entrepreneurialism and just people who give it a go so i respect it bro and i i wish you all the success in the world man be with great thank you I, 
Thank you, man. I, I appreciate that. I really do. No, it's it's dude. I mean, you're you're great. This is really fun. I enjoyed the interview. I feel like you were very authentic with this, and I feel like you were just yourself and like you know open about the stories. And I, I like that because I feel like that's why I wasn't sure in the beginning. I was like, I didn't want to pry too much, and I. But it was cool that you were so open with it and be able to tell, uh, you know, some real stories for some real shit you've been through. It's um, it's great, bro. And I, I feel like uh, yeah, keep just keep pushing, keep pushing this. Thank you, man. You know? Yeah, if I wasn't like that, it wouldn't be as. It wouldn't be a kind of interesting, compelling, whatever. Yeah, you know, that's true. It's, that's true. It, it, it's, it's the way it is. But, hey, I, hey thanks. Uh, I had a great time. This is great, Greg. Yeah. Likewise, dude. Um, Greg, I'm going to take a screenshot here just because I'm going to use it for our blog. Could, do you want to hold up uh, some cans? Look at that. There we, oh, there you go. Got the, got the beer. Perfect. All right. Oh, All put right. the can towards your head. There you go. There Perfect. Go, All right. Ready? Look up at this at the monitor. There you go. Perfect. There we go. Thank you, sir. Um, Greg, I'm going to wrap this up. Stick around and we'll say goodbye off air. But thank you again for hanging out. Okay. Thank you for getting the beers out. Um, this has been awesome. So, guys, go and follow uh, Prison Break as uh, all the all the uh, online the website. Go order the beer. Go ask for it. Check him out on Instagram. Um, guys, thank you so much for watching and listening. If you enjoyed the episode, smash the thumbs up. Hit subscribe below and hit that notification bell so you know when the new year drops. Follow us everywhere at BAOS Podcast. And check out the long-form audio so you can hear champions like Uncle Greg right here talk about craft beer. And we'll see you guys next week. Cheers, y'all.